Hello, you fabulous interior design professionals and you fabulous director of operations, Ms. Cheryl Horn. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. So this is the Business of Design podcast. I don't know if you're watching it or listening to it, but we're going to do something a little bit different today because after all, it's 2024. And I don't know about you, but I have never done 2024 before. It's first time Mm -hmm. for me. So we thought it would be fun to answer 24 questions, which we think are going to help you move forward in your business during the year 2024. But we're going to divide it into four episodes because that's a lot of questions for a single episode. Am I right? It is. Yeah. So we sort of, we broke it down into categories. We're going to start with clients. So we're going to do tackle six questions about clients, but we've sort of done it in a fun way where it's not just, you know, coaching Q&A because I think sharing experience and some of your like project stories are the best ways to learn. It's funny that you're talking about that because in February, as you know, I will be in Cavus and I'm talking about the lighter side of design, the funny side of design. And so I am going to be talking about some of the crazy things that have happened to me in my career, including the client who insisted on answering the door in his underwear all the time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, And, and uh, I can't remember the other thing, but it doesn't matter we're live. So we're just going to go with it. We're just (laughs) going to go with it. Come back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, before we do that though, so, so in the next four weeks, right, we're going to be doing four different categories, six questions each. The first category today is clients. What are the other categories just to tease everybody about what's coming up? Sure. So the other categories I came up with uh, were project specific questions, uh, business, so more back end running, uh, the, you know, the business side. And then um, your team. One thing we've been getting a lot of questions about lately is uh, not necessarily your uh, your A team of trades, but your staff. Uh, right. Building a team, whether you're already part of a team or looking to hire, some of the things to start uh, considering. Some of our longtime members are, are, you know, taking that next step and wanting to delegate. So, Delegation has been a a really big thing. And that reminds me of the other thing I wanted to say. It has to do with our 20th anniversary coming up in October. So what's happening for us at Business of Design now in in October, it'll be 20 years that we've been running Business of Design, which means it's been longer than 20 years that I have been working and developing a strategy for running projects in a linear, efficient, logical order. So we have over the years learned a ton. What I was teaching 20 years ago is so different from what I'm teaching now, right? What I was teaching 20 years ago is, okay, guys, you need to raise your rate over $50 an hour. You need to charge for the consultation. Come on, you can do this. And today we have grown and changed and we are now teaching things like how to grow wealth, how to have real profitability, how to give yourself a salary, how to pay your, how to hire your staff, how to fire staff, how to hire clients, how to hire clients. There's so much more. And so it's been a real time of reflection for us. So 2024 is kind of a good reset for, for me personally and for business of design. And that's how we came up with this idea of these four episodes. We're going to answer these 24 questions, but first announcements, we should do that and get those out, out of the way. I don't, do you have any announcements? Sure. Well, you know what, one of the things I wanted to touch on, because like you said, we're sort of doing that shift from, 
you know, you spent the last 20 years talking about all of the mistakes and experiences that led to the BOD 15 and other systems that we teach. And now the conversation is shifting to now that you've had those in place for so long, yeah, what your life and your business can look like and what you can achieve by doing that. And one of the other reasons why we're doing these four episodes is while these are airing, you're traveling. And not only are you taking those four weeks off from the podcast, you still have projects running while you're on the other side of the world. Yes. Which is an amazing position to be in. If there's a client listening, oh, turn on right now. Turn Turn on right now. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I don't think our clients are listening to this stuff, but you're right. I'm going to be in South Africa, which is amazing. And then we'll be moving from Toronto to Santa Monica for our, for our half of the year. And I have projects going on and they're all under control. And there's a little nice little bow you have a team in place to do it. I have a team in place is going to do it. And I'm confident they're going to get it done. So, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so things are a little bit quieter on this side. while uh, in, in terms of events. Um, but like you said, when you do come back, uh, you'll be going to Cabus and joining a panel there, uh, to talk about the lighter side. So I know you've recently had to go through your past experience to come up with some of those examples, but you'll be sharing that. So make sure you register for Cabus and check out Kimberly's presentation. If you're going to be there, I know they're celebrating 60 years. So there's a big party. I think that follows immediately after your seminar. Oh, that's good. I'm looking forward to that. And then we will be at High Point celebrating 20 years. So mark your calendar now for High Point in October. We're having a 20th birthday party for Business of Design. It's going to be epic. You must be there. We really want you to be there. And uh, we're going to figure out a way to make it a really special reunion because, you know, some of the people have been members for 20 years. Like, we literally have people who have who joined us 20 years ago and are still on the train, and that's pretty exciting. And then we have new people. All right, enough about announcements. Uh, let's jump into the questions. What are we going to talk about today, clients? Clients, that's our topic. So I do have notes next to me because um, I think we both know this is not my comfort zone to be to be doing this. So You've been working I can't on it though. Prepared. But I also working on that. wanted to make it, you know, to do a different spin on it and not just coaching Q&A. Okay. So I thought we would start. I know you have a lot of key lines that even so many of our members are now using. But when working with clients, what's one of your go-to lines that you use all the time on a project? Sort of these like top of mind. It's something you say all the time and it works. Oh, I know what you're getting at. Okay. So one of my favorites, this is one that comes to mind. Experience has shown me. That's one of my favorite lines. When a client suggests doing something I don't want them to do, I'll usually say, well, that's, that's one idea, but experience has shown me the better approach is blah, blah, blah. Experience has shown me that this is the better way to do it. Experience has shown me that if you go with my first choices right now and don't overthink it, you're going to be so much happier. And that phrase seems to give clients a lot of comfort and it's legitimate and it's true. Experience has shown me. And if you're new in business, that can feel a little awkward to use because maybe it's obvious you don't have a lot of experience, but you have some experience and you have more experience than your clients do. So get used to using that phrase. And it also is a good 
stall tactic. You know how like when you see someone interviewed and they go, that's a good question. That's a stall tactic to get them an answer. It buys them time to give them an answer. So I find that experience has shown me does the same thing. I kind of take a beat and then I double down on what I want them to do. Is that and what that can be taught? Yeah, okay. totally. Because I know you've got like 10 of those um, in your toolbox. So, but that can, that's a great one because it can apply to so many different situations, no matter what the conversation is. Even if you're talking to trades yep. or other suppliers, whatever it, um, whoever it is on the project, it can just be applied to anything. Oh, I have such a good one for trades, but I won't do that one because we'll probably talk about that another day. We'll save something. We'll put something in the bank for another day. Yeah. I know that you also have a lot of, that you use a lot of past client experience as examples when working with new clients. So what's one of your go-to examples that you use at the start of a project to set clients' expectations for what they're getting into working with you and the busyness of running a project? How do you set expectations at the beginning? Um, what's your sort of go-to example to oh. share with clients? This is so good and it's so top of mind for me right now because as you know, we are writing a new book for business of design, how to run your business uh, and which will be followed by how to run projects. And it'll be everything that we've learned in 20 years condensed and tightened up and made easy for you to implement immediately. And I'm working on the contract section right now. And your question reminds me of when I'm reading the contract to my clients line by line, yes, line by line. <laughs> I will often give them an example of exactly what you're talking about. So when comes time to talk about the retainer, for example, I almost always will say, hopefully we'll never have to worry about using the retainer before the project is finished. It has happened to us that we've had to use it before when a client was arrested in the middle of the project. And I had a lot of bills to pay and I hadn't collected the amount of deposits I needed back then. This was like probably about 21 years ago, 20 years ago. So I was kind of working on the BOD 15, but I hadn't gelled yet. And the client was literally perp walked off the job site in front of me and all the trades. And I was so lucky I had any retainer at all, but I knew in that moment I did not have enough of a retainer. And when I tell clients that story, they laugh and they're like, really? Oh my gosh. You know, and I, I tell them, look, look, you know, it's in Muskoka. It was a boathouse on the lake and they all know that area and it's super swishy and all that kind of stuff. So that's one that I use all the time when I'm talking about the contract. I'll also, when we get to the section where we talk about, you know, we do our very best to anticipate unknown or hidden variables on a project when we're renovating, but stuff happens. I'll tell them about the time we opened up the wall and found lamp cord that had been spliced together. It looked like a third grader had done the wiring, which was a total fire hazard. And everything on the job stopped. We had to get, you know, clients, you got to come and see this. This is so dangerous. And now your project where we just wanted to do the kitchen has got to include rewiring the entire house because this is unsafe. So that was, that. that's an example of what the, you know, extremes can happen when you're opening up walls and you're prepared. So I do, as I'm going through the contract, I do have multiple stories where I'm describing, you know, real life situations that have happened. And I always say this when I'm teaching, if you don't have a real life situation, use mine, feel free to use mine, go for it. I don't care. You know, give, give yeah. the client a real world scenario that they can go, ah, I totally understand why you have that in your contract now. Yeah. Well, and I think those are two great ones because I think one of the 
some of the questions that I get most from members is clarifying how the retainer is used and the fact that it is not used to pay down your monthly design fees. What a and also, how are you able to guarantee on time, on budget, because there's so many things you don't know until you're in construction. And yeah. those variables need to be addressed upfront in your contract. Because if you're explaining that to a client, they have to understand that I don't know what's behind a wall until that wall is open. That's right. And, yeah. you know, yeah, those so things need to be upfront. Okay. So, so did we do two questions already? So we did number one, uh, which was my go-to line. And number two is story examples of stories that I frequently use when I'm talking to clients. Yeah. 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 So number three, three. for those of you (laughs) counting like me, right. I've got to keep track of everything. Number three, big number three. I'm going to have to renumber my list as we get into other, I just have one to six, one to six for each episode. I got to renumber them so that we're sure to get to four. What is the hardest thing you've ever had to tell a client? Ooh. Okay. Putting aside the challenge of saying no ever, right? always say no to a client is challenging. I have a client today I have to say no to. It's not easy. I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to say, but it's very difficult. Um, One of the most challenging, well, two times I went to a consultation and really I couldn't take the job. The one time it was a husband and wife. And every time she opened her mouth, he belittled her. You know, she would say, oh, I definitely want to do, I definitely want a a sub-zero fridge in the kitchen. And he said, of course you do, because you're not the one paying for it. Like it was stuff like that. And I thought there's no way I'm doing this job and dealing with that crazy. So in that case, I had to say at the end of the consultation, I'm not the right fit for you. And when they said, why? I said, I don't think you guys are on the same page. I don't hear the same level of commitment to the project from both of you. And we just are not psychologists. We can't, we won't be able to manage that. And we won't be able to make you both happy. So I'm going to say no to this project. And he was, he was sort of miffed. It was very uncomfortable, but it was the right thing to do. I always follow up a story like that by saying, if you're new, if you have not enough work, if you can't pay your bills, you're going to take that job. And I wouldn't judge you for one second for taking that job. But I knew at that time I had a lot of clients. I didn't have to take that job. Uh, and I'm glad I didn't take that job. And then the other one is kind of weird and, um, it's kind of weird. I went to the consultation and the lady had like nine dogs, which is fine. I love yeah. dogs. But as we walked around the house, there was like dry, this is so gross. It was like dried dog dew all over the house, like different like piles in every room, which was repulsive, like dried up old, like never been picked up. Like, oh my God. So when I said, I'm not the right client for you, I'm not the right designer for you. She said, why? And I said, I, you know, I don't know how to say this, but the dog mess is everywhere. She said, oh, don't worry. I'll clean it up and I'll keep the dogs in the kitchen. I said, no, I don't think you need to, I don't think your first priority is design and decorating. And she burst into tears. That was pretty tough. I ended up giving her a big hug and I said, I'm really sorry, but there's more going on here that needs to be resolved. That has nothing to do with decorating. And um, I'm just not the right fit right now. Oh, that was horrible. I was, oh, I was shaking like leap. That was terrible. Yeah. Well, and you're also saying no on behalf of your staff, right? You have to 
decide what the best situations for them is. You're not just deciding, okay, you know what? I can tough this out. Right. You're putting your staff in that position too. And you have to make a decision right. for all of you. Picture Victoria in her four inch high heels <laughs> and her little skirt yeah. walking around that house. Like, <laughs> no, uh-uh, not happening. No, Kathy wouldn't put up with it either for that matter. Who, what am I kidding? No, Kathy would speak up though. Kathy would say, well, this is gross. Clean it up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Question four. What's the most important or the best thing that you've learned from a client? Oh, okay. I'm going to go into the Wayback Machine here because I learn things from clients all the time. Oh, there's so many. This is so hard. You're making me pick one. You can take more than one. I'll let you have one question, but you can have more than one answer. Okay. Then I have two examples. One is years and years ago when I first hired a business coach and I realized that just because you sent a client an invoice didn't mean they paid it. I wasn't paying attention. And so when I sent the invoice, I thought, great, that's done money in the bank. But no, I found that- uh, yeah. At one point I found out I didn't have enough cash flow to pay my staff, even though we had, I don't know, like nine, 10 people on staff at that point. I'm like, we're all busy. What, what? I couldn't believe it. I had to do the very humbling exercise of phoning each and every client and saying, I, for, I said, um, I want you to know that the unpaid invoices are really my fault, not yours. I have not done a good job of establishing times when I would invoice you. I have not done a good job of letting you know when I need to to collect those invoices. And therefore, it's not your fault that you haven't paid your bills for the last four months. Oh my gosh. And many of the clients I spoke to were very kind. They, they, what I learned from them is it's actually stressful for them too, when they don't know when a bill is coming or when it's due. It's actually stressful for them if I don't bill them regularly and I let things pile up and pile up and pile up and pile up and then I need a lot of money. It's actually stressful for them if I don't manage their expectations around when a bill is coming and how much it's going to be and when it's going to be due. So that was a really, really valuable lesson. I thought if I did, if I was too busy to bill a client, they wouldn't care. They'd be thrilled that they didn't have to pay yet. But actually they just felt like bills came randomly whenever, instead of with any assurance, it'd be like if your phone company just didn't bill you for three months and then billed you, you'd be like, wait a minute, what, uh, where am I at? What did I pay? I thought I paid this. So that was a really important lesson. And then the second one has to do with deficiencies. We are a very small job and our painter who's wonderful. I've had the same painter since 1991. He broke this lampshade. It was a glass lampshade on a vintage lamp. It was cinnamon for the clients. He broke it. It happens. I'm like, no problem. We'll just get you a new lampshade. But it took nine months to get a new lampshade because it wasn't a standard. We had to find it. We finally found it It was in China. We had to order it. Anyway, what I learned is that it really stressed out the clients. They asked me about that stupid lampshade every month. And the reason they asked me about the stupid lampshade is because I left at their house, the lamp with a bare bulb and no shade. And they had to look at it every day for nine right. months. And as, as we finally got them the new glass lamp, I said to the client, this was so stressful. Is, do you have any thoughts on how I could have made this better for you? And he said, yeah, take away the old lamp until you have a new shade and give me a new lamp 
to look at every day in the meantime. And I was like, oh my gosh, so you know how easy that would be, right? Like you go to TJ yeah. Maxx and get a lamp or you take a lamp from your living room, give the guy a lamp. And I just, I learned then that deficiencies whenever possible, if you can replace the broken thing with something they can use in the meantime, they'll be mm -hmm. so happy. And it's really not that hard to do. So anyway, I talked a long time on that one, but um, those are two examples no, of but that's, things. But that's really good. Like it's such a simple fix that in hindsight, it's like, of yeah. course, but in the moment you don't always think to do those things because you're not the one living in the space. Right. And I'm going to rapid fire a couple things too. I learned that clients will, uh, will play by any rules you give them. So you better give them good rules to play by rules that protect you. Cause I used to give them bad rules. Mm -hmm. I learned that clients will, if you give them an opportunity, some clients will take advantage of you financially or emotionally or with your time. So don't give them an opening. Don't find out which clients those are, have rules and firm boundaries. Anyway, I could go on and on about this category forever, but you still have more questions. Ooh, we still got two more. Mm -hmm. um, so the next one, after steps one and two, the project is launched, you're moving into trade day and the rest of the steps. What's the most critical step or phase of the project to stay in touch with clients and manage their expectations? When is it that clients usually get a little bit like antsy for when things are happening or really need that touch point to, to understand where the project is at? Oof, every minute of every day. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs> I, okay. For sure. Step four is it's so incredibly important to stay in constant contact with your clients and letting them know because they're getting billed for all of this time, but they don't have anything to show for it yet. So there's yeah, this yeah. moment of like, what if she's just like on vacation and not doing my job, but billing me, you know, kind of thing. So I would say step four is a, a really important. Oh, that's my coffee maker shutting off. Don't shut off. I need you. <laughs> um, it's like the saddest sound in my day. Can you hear it? Like it just randomly, it just goes in, then it drains. And I just think, oh, coffee time is over. That's so sad. Anyway, um, yeah, step four, critically important. But I would say also step six, step seven, step eight, step nine, step 10, step 11, <laughs> step 12, step 13, step 14. Yeah, those two. Yeah, I don't, I mean, honestly, like. So all the project management. Well, the only reason you ever get fired, the only reason you ever get fired is because you didn't manage that client's expectations. You, you kind of have one job, you know, you got to manage those expectations and the contract is a really good start, but they don't remember that first meeting, you know, when right. you're in step four and they don't remember that first meeting when you're step six. So you do have to remind them how this is going to work and where you are and what step you're on and what's going to happen next. We have a rule in the office, which is if a client has to phone me and say, what's happening with the blah, 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 someone's getting fired because there's no reason a client should ever be wondering where things are at. We, you should tell them and tell them again and tell them a third time. So we're really obnoxious that way. And clients will go, I know, I know, I know. Sometimes if I'll say, don't forget, they'll go, I know, I know, I know. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you well, just, just making yeah. sure we're clear. Yeah. <laughs> well, and with your weekly updates, you yeah. have the opportunity to do that and repeat that and keep yeah. them on, keep them on track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. 
And I even had, it's weird. I've had a couple of clients lately who aren't really fast on paying their bills. I haven't had to deal with that like in years. So I've had to even include in the weekly updates, you know, I soon is going to be phoning you because we need a check from you. And I, that kind of stuff used to make me so nervous. And my husband who's in the lumber business, as you know, Cheryl, uh, <laughs> don't be ridiculous. A client owes you money, call them, ask for it. They owe you money. Don't be shy. Don't be apologetic. Yeah. They owe you money. So um interesting. I've had to, I've had to pull that out of my bag again, and I hadn't done it for a while. So I don't know what's happening in the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a hard one to sort of backtrack on and get back in the habit of, of following up. Right. Yeah. But I remember having to phone those clients those years ago yeah. and ask for money and how humiliating that was. And I think yeah. all the clients paid me except for one, one client yeah. was just, you know, not going to pay, just didn't want to pay. And I didn't have enough systems behind me at that point to like, yeah. but it's also that. easier to follow up to say that this month's payment is a few days late versus yeah. four months. Yeah. Oh yeah. That can a little bit, don't let it get that far. Yeah. I've never done that. No, we, we <laughs> were very clear that we will stop work if we don't receive payment. So that's, it's hard, yeah. but we've done it. It works. Yeah. They, they get you the money. <laughs> Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, the last question I had is actually because I've had this conversation quite a few times uh, with members lately, and I sort of called it, you know, didn't see that coming. In terms of client red flags, but that they were great at the consultation, signed the contract, no problem, trade day. But once you're on the job site, mm -hmm. something just sort of shifted and they're dealing with really difficult clients that take forever to make decisions or are questioning everything they do. And it's all of this additional communications and questioning to manage client expectations, but they seemed amazing at the beginning. I had one of these last year and we finished the project just recently, just, you know, days ago kind of thing. And I did not see the level of stress this client had around money. I didn't see it. And how that manifested was every single time we sent an invoice, he would ask if he could have 90 days to pay it, for example. And the answer is no. But so we had to have that conversation multiple times. Then he asked if he could use part of his retainer to pay an invoice. The answer is no. We had to have that conversation a couple of times. He asked if he could pick up some of the furniture so he didn't have to pay the movers fees. And the answer is no. And we had to have that conversation. He, I became quite nervous and uncomfortable around them. But at the end of the project, back to lovely, didn't... Yeah didn't throw a fit when I said no, wasn't happy that I wouldn't yeah. do it, but lived by the rules kind of thing. But I was walking on eggshells around this couple right. for the entire project, which is really a pity because at the end they were just, they couldn't have been nicer. We went over for a drink yeah. the other night just to say, how's it, how are you loving it? And they're like, we love it. And we can't wait to have you back. And I'm like, oh no, not this again. I can't do, yeah. I don't really want to do that again. But yeah. Um, and this is what I would say in general, the very first time a client asks you to make an exception, any exception, that is the time to say no, hard no, absolutely not. 
Because what used to happen for me, I'm a people pleaser. A lot of us are, I'd say, okay, you know, just this once I'll just do this one thing, but that just opens the door for them to ask for a million other exceptions. When you say no, hard, no, usually I just gave an example where this is true, but usually people stop asking. They'll go, okay, she's going to run it by the book. That's fine. And I'm never apologetic about running it by the book. And I tell them like, do you really want someone who's going to make exceptions and cut corners and, you know, bend the rules who's renovating your home? Do you know what that looks like inside of your home? Like maybe I won't do a, you know, a water barrier in the shower. Who cares if it leaks a little downstairs? Like, you know, it saves a few bucks. (laughs) So, you know, I usually kind of give them an example like that and they go, okay, okay, okay. We get it. We get it. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. All right. That was fun. That was six. That was six. That was your six. Got it easy today. (laughs) All right. So we will thank you very much, Cheryl. Thank you to all of you. We will be back next week with six more. And the category is projects. Oh, projects. Projects. Your projects. So there's going to be overlap between business and projects and clients. And um, but for the most part, I've tried to stay within the theme of, you know, all on the job site type questions. Love it. And of course, they'll follow the BOD 15. Absolutely. And if you're not a member yet, come on. What are you waiting for? You know, you can get all of your questions answered each month. We have a live virtual meeting and you can show up and ask anything you want and we'll help you out. And uh, join, join, join. We need you. We want you. We love you. And Cheryl, see you. We'll do another one. Bye. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.